we're going to sing some uh, uh, songs this morning and ask the congregation to sing with us, but you may be seated uh, during these songs, but uh, please sing along with us. The first one uh, we're going to sing this morning is the old rugged cross. Jesus died on the cross. He took our sin and our guilt away. He gives us his goodness and his forgiveness. The old rugged cross. for us. It must be accepted by faith because God told us so. Just a closer walk with thee.
reflect upon God's faithfulness. We come to God with our pain. God in His mercy will help us in Christ alone. Hallelujah. And how good it is to sing to our God. Sing hallelujah.
continue to praise and worship <laughs> and keep her in prayer. She's um, in school, but we're thankful she'll be here with us. I thank the Lord. Yes. Lord willing, and the creek Yes, okay. Thank you, ladies, for leading us in worship, and thank you, choir. Brother Ronnie, appreciate you. Sister Sherry, we're just so thankful to be in the house of the Lord this morning, and God is so good. Jesus is alive and well, and we are here together in the bond of love. One, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God and Father of all, one, one Savior, Jesus Christ. We're blessed to have the Ross family here with us this morning, and uh, Brother David has done a fantastic job thus far as our associational mission strategist, and we're so blessed uh, to have him as our guest this morning, and, and I'm thankful not only for his leadership, but for his friendship. Uh, he and I are uh, not only friends, but we're prayer partners, and I'm not always faithful to, to attend the prayer meeting every Wednesday, but he is always available every Wednesday to pray with each and every pastor in this association that's uh, 
that's able to to do that and uh, it's just an amazing thing to be able to pray with one another and uh, and he has uh, done a fantastic job of promoting missions in this county and beyond and uh, he's been a unifying and a stabilizing force here in the Anson Baptist Association so if you would please make welcome Reverend David Ross Thank you, Brother Henry. Thank you for the privilege of worshiping with you, of singing with you, and of standing in your pulpit. I do not take that privilege lightly. I don't think I did as a pastor, but even less so now that the opportunities don't come as often. Um, in a moment, we'll be looking at Luke chapter 10, verses 25 through 37. Luke chapter 10, verses 35, 25 through 37 couple of things I would like to share. First, I just want to thank you for your support of our Anson Baptist Association. It is what it is because of people like you who love and pray and give and serve. So thank you so much. Our association would not be the same without you because association is the church, so you are the association. A couple of opportunities I might share with you quickly while, I'm, while you're turning to Luke 10 is coming up June 5th, we're trying to get together a group to go to the Lumberton area to work with uh, Baptist on Mission and some of their uh, rebuilding efforts there. Way back from Hurricane of Florence, there are still people who've not been able to get back into their homes yet. So work is still ongoing there. So we're trying to get together a group just to go for a day. It's a Saturday, June 5th. Uh, leave early in the morning, come back that late that afternoon or early evening, and just a one-day trip to help somebody get back into their homes. So if you're available, we're interested in that, please call us or contact us at the office. We'll send you the information that you need about all of that. Also, we are talking about or uh, looking at the opportunity perhaps of doing a, a week mission trip, perhaps up in the mountains. We're looking at the possibility of maybe the mountains in Virginia, uh, but looking in the Appalachian Mountains generally. And so we're talking about maybe that third week in July. All that hasn't come together yet. I made a contact up in Virginia, and they're supposed to get back to me. Uh, but that's a possibility if you're interested. We'll be putting more information out about that. So maybe file that away and pray about it and see if maybe God's tickling your heart. Uh, what I hope will happen is that we'll have two projects available, one doing Vacation Bible School or Mission Backyard Bible Club, and the other possibly doing light construction work. Uh, so that's kind of what's being talked about. Nothing's finalized yet, but we're working on that possibility. So be praying with me about that and see what God wants to do through that. As you're turning to Luke 10, verse 25, let me just share a little story with you. Um, I know the grandmother in this story, by the way, and she's a, a godly lady, loves the Lord, and she tells this story about her two children, her two grandchildren, the oldest one, had to go to the doctor, and she's about seven or eight, and the problem is, is that she is deathly afraid of needles. Doesn't matter whether it's a shot or a little finger prick, if it's got a needle, she is deathly afraid, and she spazzes out and cries and carries on and, and is just, just undone by it all. Because it was, I assume, uh, a day when school wasn't in, the younger sister had to go along too, who's only about six. And so as they're trying to get this kid settled down so they can give her a shot, the younger sibling wraps her arms around her big sister and tries to comfort her and then turns to the nurse who's you know, about to give the shot and said, can I take the shot for her? Now that's love. That's love. And if that had happened to me with my older brother, I'm sorry, he'd just been out of luck. <laughs> just be honest there, I tell you. Uh, but that, that love, that, and that's a true story, that true story of love of two little girls, you know, that, that's precious. So I want to talk to you this morning about love, uh, love for God and love for each other especially. So in Luke chapter 10, I'll pick up at verse 25. And behold, a certain lawyer stood up and tested him, saying, Teacher, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What is written in the law? What is your reading of it? So he answered and said, You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, 
with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And he said to him, You have answered rightly. Do this, and you will live. This morning, I want to talk to you about love. Love God, love your neighbor, love like the Samaritan, and love like Jesus. Let's talk about that first one, love God. I want to love God with all that you are. One day when Jesus was teaching a lawyer, a religious lawyer of the Pharisees, he was supposed to be an expert in the law and in the tradition of the Jewish people. He comes to Jesus and asks a question, not because he's looking for information, not because he's trying to improve his teaching. He wants to test Jesus in some way. So he asks Jesus this question, teacher, what must I do to inherit eternal life? Jesus replied with a question, what is written in the law? By the way, what a great place to go to get your questions answered, but God's word. So the man quotes from the Old Testament, which was the only Bible they had at that time, from Luke, well, I'm reading from Luke chapter 10, verse 27. So he, he answered and said, and this is the way he quoted, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, with all your mind, and your neighbor as yourself. And then Jesus said, you have answered rightly, do this and you will live. So the, this uh, lawyer quoted Deuteronomy 6, 5 to begin with. And it is God's word. So we need to hear it today as well. We need to obey it today as well. So he started off with love the Lord your God with all your heart. All your heart. The word love here in the Greek is agape. And agape is that Greek word for love that is most often used to describe God's love for us. It's that pure, uh, unselfish, holy love that God has for us. And so we're to have that kind of pure, holy, unselfish love for God as well. Notice we're to love God with all your heart. All your heart. The Greek word for all can also be translated whole or complete. So that means we should love God with our whole heart, with our complete heart. Okay. Sometimes we would just want to give God a little bit. We want to give Him all of our love, all of our commitment. We just want to give Him a little bit. And that little bit doesn't go very far. We need to give God all of our love. That doesn't mean that we don't have enough love for everybody else because the next part of the quote later reminds us to love our neighbor, but it means that we are to love God wholeheartedly. That's what it means. Love your God. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul. The word soul in the Greek can also mean life. So the point is, is we're to love God with our whole life, with our whole being, uh, and our complete life goes on to saying we're to love God with all your strength. When I think about strength, I think about actions and efforts. So we're to love God with all of our strength and our being. And with all your mind, we are thoughtful, reasoning creatures. Our minds and our thoughts are very important about who we are as human beings. And we're to love God with this part of our being as well. Now, our secular society challenges us to divorce and separate our, our thinking, our reasoning, our science with God. And, you know, they don't want to mix the two. But God's the God of everything. He's the creator of truth. He is the creator of science. So all real truth, all real science will agree with the creator who made it and who made all the laws that govern our world. And when our science and our God don't match up, guess who's wrong? God's not the one who's having to rewrite his books. It's the scientists who are rewriting their books and coming up with new theories because they're still learning. God's the creator, right? Amen. Amen. So we're to love God with all of our mind. And so to become a Christian doesn't mean that we have to throw away our mind. We don't have to commit intellectual suicide to be a Christian. Just the opposite. When you understand God and you love Him, you begin to see things in light of God and you begin to realize that there's a lot more information out there that you're not hearing. Amen. The unbelieving scientists, they're not telling you the information that shows that there is evidence for a creator. And if you go search creationism, uh, you can find those kind of things, that other information that's out there that scientifically supports the belief that there is a God. Okay. 
So we're to love God with all our mind. Let me ask you a question. Why is this church here? I mean, right here. Why not out on 218? You already got two out there. That might be one reason. (laughs) Why is Deep Springs Baptist Church right here? God placed it here. I said exactly. God placed your church here because he wanted you to love the people that are right here in this community. He placed you here for a purpose. You are on mission for him right here in this community. Yes, you'll have opportunities to touch the state, touch the nation, and, and do great things for Jesus Christ, but it starts here. This is home base. And if you're not doing missions here, if you're not loving people here, then you're not going to be loving people over there either, really. That's the bottom line, isn't it? So it's not a matter, by the way, of either or. It's both and. We're to, to love God and serve Him here and to love God and serve Him there too if He calls and opens the door for us to do that. Uh, so never think you've got to choose between the two. We're to obey both as God gives us the ability to do that. When you love God with all your heart, it changes you. When you truly love God with everything you have, it changes you. It changes the way you walk. It changes the way you spend your time. It changes the way you talk changes how you spend your money. When you love God with all your being, then obeying the Ten Commandments or any of the other commandments of God's Word are not a burden a burden or a, a drudgery. It's, it's a pleasure because you love God so much that obeying Him is an expression of your love toward Him. And so it's, it's not so weary. It's not so troublesome. It's a reflection of our joy in Him. Maybe one of the reasons that we have difficulty obeying God sometimes is we don't love Him like we should. When you really love Him with all your being, then obeying Him is a joy. When a church loves God with all the heart, it makes a difference in how that church talks and acts and and how they spend their time. It, It challenges, makes a difference in whether they're on mission or not. If you truly love God with everything, then yes, you're going to be on mission. You'll be loving other people. You'll be ministering to their needs because that's what love does. A church that really loves God is not going to be stuck on themselves. Too many churches are all about themselves, and they don't really love God enough to love the people that live outside the doors of their church. They're not concerned about reaching them, ministering to them, sharing the gospel with them, because they don't have, they're not fully sold out and in love with God like they ought to be. They're more concerned about themselves. Perhaps the best reason to love God is because he loves you, isn't it? That's real, for me, that's the best motivator. I I mean, I I believe the Bible, I want to obey the Bible and everything it says because I believe God. But what helps me to really love God is to know that he loves me. And I'm no better than you are. If he loves old knothead David, then he certainly loves you. He loves you. How much does he love you? You know he loved you enough that he sent his son from heaven to die on the cross, paid the penalty for your sins, nothing that Jesus did but for what you did and I did, and God loved you enough to raise Jesus from the grave so that he could be your savior, take away your sin, give you new life, new purpose, new hope. And just then think on top of all that, as if that weren't enough, God has blessed you in so many ways. You've got a place to live, clothes to wear, food to eat, people who love you. God has blessed you in so many ways. So as I begin to think about how God has expressed his love for me, I can't help but love him back. So I want to challenge you this morning to think more often about how God has expressed his love to you. That will help you to love him more. It's easy for me to say you ought to love God more. Preachers tell you all kinds of things. It's not always easy to do, is it? But when you focus on God and you think about how much he really, truly loves you, enough to create you, enough for his son to die for you and rise from the dead for you, that's a lot of love. How can we not love a God who loves us like that? So love God, love your neighbor. Here in verse 27, we're commanded to love God with all our being and to love our neighbor in the same way that we love ourselves. We take care of ourselves, don't we? 
We have to love our neighbors like we love ourselves. You know, if we're filled with the God of love, right, that's how you become a Christian. You invite Christ into your life to wash away your sins. You're saved by faith and by grace, and God comes into your life. Who is he? He's the God of love. And if the God of love is living in you, then you ought to be a servant of love too. And the more we yield ourselves to God, the more completely we love Him, the more we yield ourselves to His will and to His way, the more we will love other people too. Because that's what the God of love does. And as He lives in and through us, He will love others through us more too. Love your neighbor as yourself. How are we supposed to love them? The way that we love ourselves. Well, we take care of ourselves. You know, I, I make sure I've got food to eat. I make sure I'm not hungry or hot or cold if I can help it. When I'm thirsty, I get something to drink. I take care of myself. And that's what we all do. We ought to love other people like we love ourselves. And that implies for me that we would treat them the way that we want to be treated and that we would not treat them in the way that we would not want to be treated. It means that we're as kind and gracious to them as we are to ourselves. Came across an interesting story of that of uh, somebody loving their neighbor. John Connolly been living next door to a, uh, an elderly lady for a number of years, and as she got older, wasn't able to do much. He began to try and look out for her a little bit. Uh, they lived in an area where it snowed a lot, so he would shovel the snow for her, and if, if the sidewalk iced up, he'd throw some salt on it to melt it. And uh, if he saw the newspaper out by the sidewalk, he'd bring it up, put it on the porch, just being a good neighbor. But one day he noticed there were a couple of newspapers had piled up on that porch, and she hadn't got them. He started getting worried. So he went over and knocked on the door. She didn't answer. He banged on the door. She still didn't come to the door. Then he was really getting worried, so he called the police. They got into the house, I'm not sure how, and they found her on the floor. Evidently she'd been there for about three days. She was dehydrated and weak. They took her to uh, the hospital where she fully recovered. But for me, that's a, just a very simple illustration of a man who, was, who loved his neighbor. And because he loved his neighbor, he saved her life. But she wouldn't have made it if somebody hadn't gotten to her when they did. Love God with all your being. Love your neighbor as yourself. And love like the Samaritan. Love like the Samaritan. That lawyer wanted <laughs> who knew the law very well who himself quoted, love your neighbor as yourself, he was looking for a loophole. <laughs> he didn't want to love everybody. So he asked the question, who is my neighbor? Because there are some people he didn't want to claim. You might have some family you don't want to claim. Sometimes I have something I'm not so sure I want to claim on some days. <laughs> so who is my neighbor? All right. So Jesus tells him a story, a parable about who his neighbor is. Help him understand who his neighbor, who he should consider being his neighbor. And the story starts off, you know the story well. A man's going down from Jerusalem to Jericho, and that road from Jerusalem to Jer Jericho was notorious for being a place where robbers hid, a lot of rocks and, and places for people to hide there. And so the man is uh, set on by robbers who beat him. They steal everything he has, including his clothes. They leave him half dead in the road. And as the story goes by, a priest goes by, and he sees the man laying there in the road. He doesn't stop to help him. He doesn't even pray for him. He walks by on the other side of the road because he doesn't want to get unclean. Then a Levite goes by. He, too, passes along the other side of the road, doesn't stop, doesn't help. <clears throat> but in verse 33, we read about who does stop and help. And it's a Samaritan. A Samaritan was hated by Jews. And Jews hated Samaritans. The Samaritans hated Jews. It was mutual. And as he journeyed, it says in verse 33, came where he was when he saw him, he had compassion. I suppose that there are a lot of differences between the Jewish religious leaders who had passed by that man and the Samaritan in the story. But the biggest difference was the Samaritan had compassion for that poor man who had been robbed and beaten and left for dead. He had compassion for him. In other translations, is pity. Loving your neighbor begins with having compassion for him or her and wanting to do something to help them if you have the ability to do so. Now, God doesn't expect us to do what we can't do or we don't have the ability or, or resources to do. He wants us to do what we can do with the resources and abilities that we have. 
This Samaritan in the story had the resources and the time that he was willing to take to help this man. I can imagine some hard-hearted people walking by and seeing that man laying there in the road. And this is just my imagination. Okay, I'm not, this is not scripture, but you know how people are, right? You, you have, know anybody's heart is hard like this, perhaps. One body walks by, doesn't stop and help him and says, I'm glad that's not me. Or maybe somebody else walked by and said, he's not very bright to travel this road alone, doesn't stop and help him. Or perhaps somebody says, serves him right for traveling this road alone. He should have known better. Maybe somebody would walk by and say, he must have committed some terrible sin for God to punish him like that. That wasn't a God thing. People getting beat up, robbed, and shot. That's not God at work. That's the devil at work. Sometimes people can be so hard-hearted and unsympathetic and even judgmental and not help somebody who's in need. Love helps those that are in need. Let's just look at it from a little different point of view for a moment. Imagine the Levite as he walked by, paused, and looked at the man and said, I sure do feel sorry for him. Poor guy, beat up, left for dead, and kept on going. Did that help the man a bit? No. <laughs> that wasn't real compassion. There's a little bit of sympathy, but just about this much, because he didn't even try to do anything to help the man. So real love is more than just feeling a little sorry for somebody. It's, it's wanting to do something to help them if you're able to help them. Going back now to verse 34, the Samaritan had genuine compassion for the injured man. He says, it went to him, he bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. He set him on his own animal, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. Verse 35, on the next day when he departed, he took out two denarii, giving them to the innkeeper, and said to him, take care of him, and whatever more you spend, when I come again, I will repay you. The Samaritan, full of compassion and love for this stranger, helped him. He took his time. He got his hands dirty with the man's wounds as he tried to clean his wounds. He put him on his own donkey. He took him to an inn, paid for his stay, paid for his care after he left. That was true compassion. All right. Going back to the story, Jesus tells the story, and then now he's talking to the man who asked him, who was my neighbor? And this is what Jesus asked him. So which of these three do you think was neighbor to him who fell among thieves? Verse 36. And verse 37, he can't help but answer. He, he, notice he doesn't call him the Samaritan. He who showed mercy on him. Then Jesus said to him, go and do likewise. Our Lord is commanding us today, you and I, to go and do likewise, to show compassion for the needs of others, to make a difference when we have the opportunity to make a difference. What mattered to that Samaritan was not that this was another Samaritan in trouble. It was not that he was somebody rich or famous. It was not that he was attractive or whatever. He just saw a human being that was in need. And that was enough to, to, to touch his heart and break his heart and make him want to do something despite the differences of race and religion and and all those other things, he saw a person in need. And that's the most important thing of all. Loving like a Samaritan means loving another person simply because they're a person. Because they're human like me or you. It doesn't matter the color of their skin, where they were born, what their religion is, what their politics are. If it's a human being in need, then love compels, should compel us to want to help them if we're able Love, like the Samaritan, help those that are in need. It's probably time-consuming. It may be costly. It may be, it most likely will be messy one way or the other. But it can be life-changing to those that you help. And you'll find it may touch your life in a way that you never thought possible also. When we love like the Samaritan, we please our Heavenly Father, who is the God of love and compassion. Before I leave, I want to remind you that we're also to love like Jesus. In John chapter 13, the last night before Jesus crucified, he's got his disciples gathered around. They're about to have the Lord's Supper to get what we call the Lord's Supper. They were about to have Passover. And it says that just before the feast, Jesus knew what was going to happen to him. And so he takes off his clothes. And the scripture says, 
Having loved his own who were in the world, he now showed them the full extent of his love. And you know the story how Jesus went around and washed each of his disciples' feet, including Judas. He washed all their dirty, dusty feet. That was a gift of love. Love serves. Then Jesus would later say that evening in verse 14 of John 13, If I then, your Lord and teacher, have washed your feet, you also ought to wash one another's feet. So love acts, love serves, love like Jesus. Later he would say, A new commandment I give to you, that you love one another as I have loved you, so that you also love one another. By this all men will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. Jesus commands us to love others the way that he loves us. How much did Jesus love us? He died for us. I mean, what more love can you give than than to die for somebody else? To pay the penalty for our sins so we could have eternal life, so that we could be saved, so that we wouldn't have to go to hell. Instead, we could have his gift of heaven. Jesus loved us that much. That same unselfish, sacrificial love he calls us to have for each other. Paul wrote in Galatians 5.13, For you, brethren, have been called to liberty, only do not use your liberty as an opportunity for the flesh. This is part I want you to hear. But through love serve one another. For all the law is fulfilled, even in this you shall love your neighbor as yourself. Through love serve one another. Love your neighbor as yourself. This church is here because God wants to love this community through you. He wants you to be the hands and feet that he uses to love this community. He wants to use your mouth to tell people about Jesus and his great love. He wants you to use your hands to help those that are in need and hurt to bring them out and show them God's love in a real and practical way that they can understand. It's easy for us to say God loves you, but until they experience God's love through us to them, They really can't comprehend and relate to the depth of God's love for them. But when they see it through people, then they can believe, yes, well, maybe God really does love me because you love me. That can make a wonderful difference in a person's life. To love like Jesus means to give our lives away in sacrificial service to those around us, starting in our own home, in our own community, right here where we live. read about a story of... uh, of a community up in New Jersey. And one of the houses there was a bit of an eyesore. The grass had grown up, the yard was a mess, the bushes had grown up, the house needed painting, it was in disrepair, there was an old junk car in the yard. And because of the neighborhood that she lived in, they had a little society or community group there, and um, she got a notice saying that she was in violation of their community agreement, and that if she did not, do the repairs to the house and bring it up to the proper code that she would be fined $3,000 a day. She didn't have money for repairs. How could she pay the fine? So she was at a loss what to do. She didn't really have any friends. She didn't. She was a retired school teacher. She didn't have much income. She didn't know what to do. And she only had really kind of one set of friends. A couple lived next door, talked to her somewhat. And so she was concerned and, and shared with them what was going on and her worries and concerns about that. And, and these friends, her next door neighbors, her neighbors jumped into action because they loved their neighbors themselves. They said, we're going to help you. And so not only did they help her, they got other friends to come in and help her. They got their church involved in helping this lady. And so at one time, there were as many as 25 people working at her house, and it continued to go on for a number of weekends until they painted the house, repaired the house, uh, redid the yard and the bushes and landscaping and all of that stuff. Not only did the lady not have to pay the fines, uh, she also made some friends. That was even more precious than the work done on the house. And it was all because it started with a couple who loved their neighbor, and invited others to help love her too, and it changed that woman's life. Love your neighbor as yourself. God placed you here so that you can love your neighbor. And the best way we can show our love for God, I think, is by loving our neighbor and expressing that love for God as we love them and minister to them and serve them. 
So as I finish up this morning, let me ask you a couple of questions. If you really love God, how should that affect your life? If you really love God with all your being, how should that affect the way that you talk to your spouse? If you really love God with all your being, how should that affect the way that you relate to your children? If you really love God with all your being, how should that reflect how you relate to your coworker or your neighbor? If you really love God with all your being, how should that really affect how you get along here inside church? What would business meetings be like if we had that attitude of loving God first? Loving God first and loving our neighbor first before ourselves. How would that change the way some of those business meetings go? And I've been a Baptist a long time. I know how some of those meetings are. Uh, we need more God's love and less of our own judgment in some of those meetings. God loves you. He loves you. I want to challenge you to, to think about how much He loves you so that you can love Him even more in return. And as you love Him more, you'll find great joy and satisfaction in doing loving service for Him. So love God with all that you are. Love your neighbors yourself. Love like the Samaritan and love like Jesus. Let us pray. Our Father, we thank you for loving us so much. Father, I can only begin to understand the depth of your love for us. Thank you for the gift of your Son. Thank you for all the blessings you've poured into our life. Help us, Lord, to truly love you with all of our being. And Lord, help us to show that love to others around us, starting in our home, to our family, to our neighbors, to our friends. Lord, I pray that you will continue to do a great work through this church. Father, this church has a reputation of being a missions church that loves you and is on mission for you. Father, I pray that you'll just continue to pour more and more of your love in through each one of them, that as they go home, as they go into their neighborhood, as they go to work, as they go to school, Lord, that your love will just bubble out of them all over the place with kindness and grace and mercy and compassion, and the lives will be touched and the gospel shared, and a great work will be done for your name and for your glory. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. I want to challenge you to love God, love your neighbor. I also want to challenge you to look at your heart this morning. Do you love God as much as you ought to? Um, I can't do that by myself. I can't love God like I should by myself. I need God to do that in and through me. You need God to do that in and through you, too. Will you open yourself up to God's love? If you, if you know that you've not been living the way that God wants you to live, will you come to him this morning and say, Lord, I, I've not been living for you. I'm not loving you like I should. And ask him to help you to obey him, to love him, to serve him. There's somebody here who never accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. A God who loves you so much. Once you come today and accept him as your Savior, receive forgiveness for sins, begin the journey to heaven, and allow him to change your life in a wonderful way. Will you come today and accept Christ as your Lord and Savior? Maybe you just want to come pray at the altar, I'm, I'm sure. There's a nice big altar up here. There'd be room for as many as want to come pray. Brother Henry, I'm going to turn it over to you to finish and close it out any way that you see fit, brother. Thank you. In 486, 486, all standing.
Brother David has issued a wonderful challenge to us. Uh, the, the phrase that stuck out to me, I, I, I really felt it just resonated with me, go and do likewise. Go and do likewise. So why don't we pray God would open up our eyes to the opportunities that are all around us this week. And don't be surprised if God doesn't bring someone your way. And just like uh, Reverend David said, it might, it might be messy, it might be inconvenient, it might be costly. But don't miss an opportunity for a blessing. So don't forget about all the, um, the mission opportunities that he spoke of. Uh, I want to bring this to your attention too. This will be, uh, we will have one of those business meetings June.